You know, someone once famously said that if you are not liberal at age 19, then you have no heart. And if you are not conservative by age 29, then you have no brain. So not only is that quite funny and very clever, but I find it to be very, very true in most cases. I can vividly remember when I was younger. I believed in and was told a lot of distorted truths. For example, I remember people saying at the time that the founders of America were all slaveholders and that they believed in slavery and that they came up with something called the actually they didn't know what it was called what they would say is that uh, America considered the black man to be three-fifths of a person now I had heard this many times growing up in schools and I grew up in a large inner city and I was surrounded by Democrats it was a democratic hub and these are the types of things that we were taught we were never offered the alternative explanation whatsoever Not until I began to get older and began to be more inquisitive and to ask more questions and to research things on my own did I find out that things are much more complicated than what I had at first believed. You know, we were told, hey, America was founded on slavery. You know, and you know, as a black person, you're considered three-fifths of a man, period. Well... You don't have to do a lot of digging to find out that that's not true. Once I looked into what the three-fifths compromise was all about, I realized that the three-fifths compromise made a lot of sense at the time. Slavery was a highly contentious issue. The founders of America found themselves born into a society in which slavery was the norm. It was acceptable. Now, not to mention the fact that slavery had existed as long as humans have been on this earth unfortunately and it existed everywhere among every group every race of people and every country has slavery within its history slavery is not something for which the United States must share exclusive culpability slavery belonged to everyone But if you listen to some of the things that are perpetuated on the left, you'll just believe that slavery existed in the United States and that was it, pretty much. There's no alternative explanation offered. There's no, you know, it's pretty simple. It's black and white. There's no gray, no explanation. Yet the truth is that the founders were, in fact, many of them were slaveholders. And there were some that were not, that never owned slaves. But there were many slave, slaveholding founders who changed their minds, who changed their positions, even though they had been born into this life. They had been born slave masters. They had been born into that privilege. But many of them realized that it was wrong and that it did not, it did not fit into the, the, the vision of America which was liberty and justice for everyone. 
And once they saw this, many of them suffered from cognitive dissonance and many of them did something about it. Many of them manumitted. And and when I say many of them, I don't just mean the founders. I'm talking about many uh, colonial Americans after the Revolutionary War manumitted many of their slaves. This is on historical record. Anyone can research and find this. Many slaves were manumitted after the Revolutionary War and the United States was established. Because just the, the, the sheer cognitive dissonance that many early Americans suffered was enough for them to get up and do something about it and to set their slaves free. George Washington, for example, upon his death, left in his will that upon his wife dying, all of his slaves were to be freed. And, you know, on that plantation, I think George Washington had some two, 200 to 300 slaves. Now, what ended up happening is once he did pass on, his wife, looking around, realizing that there were about 200 slaves just waiting on her, her death. <laughs> so, the, in other words, the only thing between their freedom was her death. She was quite wise and she went ahead and freed him immediately. So all of George Washington's slaves were freed immediately upon his death or shortly thereafter. So it's a little bit more complex than the fact that George Washington was just a slaveholder. Okay, he didn't have to, to, you know, free the slaves in his will. Now, some of you might say, well, big deal, big whoop. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, founders and other slave owners at the time died and did not free their slaves whatsoever. Thomas Jefferson is a, among one of them. He died and did not leave any uh, any direction to, to free his slaves in his will. Nor could he afford it. Nor could he afford it. So as you get older and you start to look into these things, you start to see that life is much more complex. There's a lot more gray to life. It's not just black and white. Slavery did not just exist in the United States. Slavery, again, was not something that, that, that was simply exclusive to this country. It existed all over the world, all throughout human history. And it was terrible everywhere. In fact, it still exists in 2020 in many places. But there's an industry out there. Rush Limbaugh calls it the grievance industry. And I think that's a great term for it. The moniker makes sense. There is a grievance industry out there through which many, many academics and politicians make millions and millions of dollars, make their living off grievances, off white guilt. And because this is an industry... It is very, 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 very difficult to simply just get rid of it. It doesn't, it it will not just die on its own. It has to be put down. And the only way to put it down is to expose it and to tell the truth. And the truth is, America today in 2020 is less less racist than it's ever been. That's just the fact of the matter. We're led to believe today that the police are simply hunting black black Americans down left and right. When the facts don't show that at all. If you look at the statistics, you'll find that, in fact, the police are more hesitant to shoot at black Americans. There's a black economist by the name of 
Roland Fryer of Harvard, who did a study on this. And he was absolutely flabbergasted when he found out the results. He was he was expecting initially, like many black Americans, to find that there had been some kind of bias. That there had been some disproportionate amount of killings among blacks by police. And yet he found the very opposite. If you read his report, you'll see that he found that most white cops were hesitant to shoot at a black suspect because of the fact that they would suffer social reprisal. They were they were afraid of the the pushback, everything that came with it. And that makes sense. I mean, Heather McDonald, I believe, coined the phrase Ferguson effect. Whereby the police, because they're being pushed by the community, will begin to stand back and let things happen. And when the police do that, when they just stand back and they're not actively policing, crime goes up. Big surprise. And when crime goes up, who are the people that suffer the most? The people who are from the the high crime areas. And those people happen to be blacks and Latinos, by and large, in the United States. So the very same people that organizations like Black Lives Matter and others claim to be helping are the people who are hurt the most by their policies. That alone should show many that they are not interested in helping these people whatsoever. What they are interested in is further advancing their agenda. And their agenda is to sow division among Americans and to bring this great country to its knees. And I, for certain, will not just sit idly by and allow it to happen without speaking up. I believe it was Thomas Sowell who said that the price of liberty was eternal vigilance. I find that to be very, very true. It just seems to be the natural order of things that freedom will shrink. As time goes on, people seem to be less and less free. Your rights are very subtly taken away from you. Seems to be the natural order of things. So the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. We must always and forever speak out and exercise our rights and be vigilant about our freedoms or else we will lose them. Sitting across my desk right now is a handgun, a Bible, and a copy of the U.S. Constitution. And while looking at these things, it hit me. I realized that there are people out there, many large factions in the United States of people who would take all three of these things from me if they had it their way and are working very diligently every day to take these things from me. They don't believe that as an American, freeborn American with rights, that I should have this pistol. Irrespective of whether it's legal or not, they don't believe I should have this pistol. And it is legal, by the way, because I'm a responsible gun owner. 
they don't believe, many of them, that I should have this Bible. They try to ban it in all public institutions. They successfully banned it in many schools. And I don't think I have to really explain the third item, a copy of the U.S. Constitution. It's under attack every day. Our freedom of speech is under attack. Our Second Amendment is under attack. I mean, it's being attacked in all types of ways. Something must be done. The silent majority of us, and when I say us, I mean Americans who are just going about their daily lives, who are just as outraged as I am about what's going on around them. But people have a tendency for, for one, not to be very courageous. And for two, there's a normalcy bias. People tend to just want to go on about their lives and not run into too much contention. And I can understand that. I can. But then I'm reminded by people like Mr. Soul that the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. And that sort of thrusts me and jolts me back into reality. And it makes me want to take action. And that's why I created this podcast. To speak to all of you. And to share my ideas. And to let you know that you're not alone. That there are many of us out there. Who are reasonable. And sensible. And black. And love America. And love the idea of America. And love American history. And respect our forefathers. And by respecting them, that means that we're going to take advantage of every opportunity here in America. We're going to push for greatness. We believe in facts. We believe in excellence. We believe in the content of a person's character over the color of their skin. Like Dr. King reminded us of in 1963 at the March on Washington. We are the Cosby folk. And some of us are not like the Cosbys, but believe in the same things. You don't have to be like the Cosbys. All you have to do is understand and appreciate and show some gratitude for this great nation for which you were born in. I always tell people I could have very, very easily, by no fault or reason of any anyone's, been born a Somalian. Or a Ugandan. Or a Nigerian. Or a Venezuelan. Chilean. Any number of third world countries I could have been born in. Yet, I hit some sort of geographical lottery. And was born here in America. The greatest country on earth. And for that I am forever indebted to her. What's the problem with being patriotic? Why do people have to have to hide their patriotism? And what's more disturbing, why are people hiding their patriotism? Why are people genuflexing? Why are people 
conceding? Why are people capitulating to the radical left? I'm seeing it every day. I'm seeing it in sports. I'm seeing it in corporations where people are selling their souls for profit, for conformity. They don't want to go against the tide, no matter how wrong the tide may be. Well, I'm telling you, those days are numbered. People like me are getting fed up and we will speak up. We will stand up and we will fight for this great nation. And we are black and white and everything in between. We will not allow you to divide us. We see the evil and we are exposing it and fighting it. I need all of you to to help us push through this nonsense. This is a serious season of contention. And all of us have to stand up, step up and speak out against this. We have to stand up and speak the truth. And I'm happy to see today that there are many who are. But I fear we need many, many more to do so. If we don't speak up, evil will flourish and dominate. And it's already happening. I'm seeing it every day. As a direct result of this, you hear me talking to you right now. I'm a private person. I would have never fathomed making a podcast. But I believe it's necessary. So let's stand up and do something about this, people. I was looking over the headlines this morning. And I happened to see, and I wasn't surprised by this, but this just goes to show what kind of times we're living in. There was a reporter from, I believe it was Arizona State University, a young reporter. And she had done a story on Jacob, uh, I forget his last name. I want to say Jacob Blake. Yeah, that's the name. That's the guy's name. Black guy who was shot in the back by police. Now, he was shot in the back by police because he was not complying. Okay. Not only that, but it turns out he has a serious criminal history. No surprise there. 